Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 127 of the podcast, and today we are talking about the power of play with Richard Chertham. Now, for those who haven't heard of Richard, he is doing some outstanding work, and I'm so glad that we got introduced by a mutual friend, Rich Shorter. Now, Rich Shorter was on episode number 95, um, and he's non-perfect dad, so talking about um, ways for parents, teachers, and athletes to all get along. And um, Richard introduced Richard and myself and said, you guys would get along, and you've got no idea how mind-blowing this conversation is today, and it's one of those podcasts where I was just listening going, wow, it's like I'm actually talking to myself, and some of the concepts and ideas that Richard is putting into place around play, around getting people moving, around creativity, and everything like that is awesome, and you're going to hear all that and a lot more, but the biggest takeaways I want you to do from today is that we talk about three or four activities that you can implement as a teacher, as a coach, as a corporate, anywhere in your life, all right? And um, I'm a big believer that any meeting, any engagement, any session, you should start with some form of engagement starter. And um, Richard shares three or four awesome ones today that you can go and implement straight away. So guys, um, I'm I'm so excited because this is such a fun chat and I know you'll get so much from Richard and myself today. Welcome back to the podcast, Richard, all the way from the UK. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Yes, uh, bright and early start this morning. Uh, not quite the temperatures you got there, but uh, yeah, if you'd have seen me cycling this morning, you'd have thought it had been deep, deep midwinter. But yeah, I'm very, <laughs> very alert, woken up and good to go. Mate, and uh, I know we are just talking a little bit off air that uh, obviously middle of summer here in Australia and it's a little bit cooler in the UK. So, um, mate, at the University of Winchester, um, we're going to talk a lot about play and everything like that today, but let's just paint the picture of the listeners, mate. Can you give a little bit of your background and uh, some interest and things like that? Yeah, so I've been at university uh, since 2005 after I spent three years in, in New Zealand um, and whilst it you know, it's it's a long time, I suppose, being here. It's the the lovely thing is that um, I've been allowed to sort of evolve my work and change some of the things I do, add, add new ideas in, and I've got quite a lot of autonomy in, in how I teach, which is one of the real um, advantages of being being here. And, and over the last few years, um, it's not really a recent um, introduction. It's, it's something I've always used is trying to be creative in how I teach, and then that kind of led me down the path of play. Play became a really good engaging tool. We now run the Play and Creativity Festival. It's our third year this year. Um, and so really it, it's kind of leading a lot of the way I teach, the way I encourage my coaching students to think about how they coach. Uh, don't always think about structure. Think about how we can be a little bit more uh, broad-minded in how we, we coach people. And um, it's really led a lot of my sort of research and writing. Yeah, and I, I know reading uh, your writing, mate, it really hit a chord with me. And I know we're introduced by a mutual friend, friend in Rich Shorter, um, and yeah. he said that we would just get along straight away. And um, I know just from what we're going to talk about today that uh, not only am I excited, but also my listeners will be as well. So um, let's talk about the power of play. And I know we're going to talk about uh, with coaching and education, everything like that, but how important is play in everyday life for particularly adults? 
Well, I think particularly even even more so from adults. I think more so now because we're so um, we're so distant from that the emotional experience that, that play gives us. You know, I think the tendency is to believe that as we grow up, we we move away from some of those um, emotional experiences that were critical when we were a child, and we become um, obviously growing up and the responsibilities that come with that and with work that there's there's quite an intensity attached to that but we don't really ever take our foot off the gas until maybe we go out for a few beers or go on holiday but it, it, it's a theme that i i think we should really incorporate in our daily lives in, in however that looks um unstructured moments um of play uh, simple playing card games whatever whatever you choose to be your your sort of vehicle for play it is important if it helps you to re- reconnect with those emotions that you've had when, when you're a child, that freedom, that laughter, that uh, enjoyment. Um, and again, away from from maybe the, the formal structure that we, we, we often have of adults. Yeah, and, and I think one, I think a lot of people, uh, it's not that, I know we're very busy and things like that, but I don't think they put an emphasis on play or that they fully understand what play can be. And now I'm a big believer, Richard, whenever I'm presenting or talking or coaching or teaching, that everybody should allocate at least 10 minutes a day for some form of play because when you're playing, you're present. And for me, play is the best mindfulness tool out there so what what is your definition of play because so many people say oh yeah but i don't have time to go and play golf or cricket or soccer or things like this but that isn't just play is it yeah i think we're very we're very bad at um um finding a time i, I talk about self-care so i was asked to i went to a coach a few years ago actually and we, we created this pie chart and the pie was how much of that pie is time for you and I was amazed at how little time that that pie chart is allocated to myself. You know, a lot of um, a lot of that time is is either work or other commitments. But actually, what do I allocate? Not over a week, but but during a day. When did I actually take my take some time for myself? And um, it's critical. It, it isn't childlike and it isn't childish. It's actually part of our our well-being. We talk, in the UK at the moment, there's a great emphasis on health and well-being, mental health. And um, it's an important part of it. It isn't unimportant. The challenge is to find time and also to, when we're doing it, to make it realise that it's not unusual. I mean, I had a, I had a session yesterday in an independent school uh, near London and for the first sort of 10, 15 minutes we played a, f- uh, a game which is mentioned in the book. Um, and just sim- simply that first 15 minutes, it changed the dynamic of the room Um there was a connection in the room that people, these two these two people had worked together 15 years uh, in different departments. One was a design and technology, one was a music teacher. And it wasn't until we played this game did they realise they both had a mutual love of Motown music and had been to the same show in London the week before. <laughs> now, that's that's crazy. Know, yeah, and they, they worked together 15 years. And, and I think... We, we, we kind of bridge that gap between these people through a very informal, playful activity. Um, and I said to them, what, what does it feel like? What, what emotions have you felt? And they, they relaxation, um, connection, uh, laughter, plenty of laughter, um, talking to people otherwise hadn't spoken to. And it went on for 15 minutes. Now, you know, eight-hour working day, more for most people. Um, what value is that and those two people having that connection that otherwise wouldn't have happened if we hadn't found time to play? 
Yeah, and I think uh, not people just forget that obviously when you're playing all the time, you're moving your body, exercising, you're getting those health benefits as well. But what also comes out of it is the interaction and the socialising that um, I think we're lacking a lot today with the um, technology and social media and things like that. The, the freedom and creativity and socialising to come in play is probably more important than ever, wouldn't you have thought? Yeah, you know, exactly. I think if we were to take a snapshot of a, of a tube train or a bus, um, the interaction of people there or in a cafe, you know, mobile, t- mobile phones have taken away the art of conversation. They've taken away um, the opportunity to, to connect with people um, who are around us. And we're almost kind of um, removing ourselves from what we would have done naturally sort of 20, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um and it's, you know, so Ken Robinson, who's one of the most uh, enjoyable sort of uh, TED Talks, you know, talks about the exile of play. You know, the exile of play is the most great, 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 great tragedy. And it's certainly tragedy from, if it's taken from education, um, because the, those early years of play and playfulness will will carry on through adult life because they will have helped form us who, who we are. And when we become adults, when we become parents, teachers, uncles and, and aunts, you know, we need. It's important that we can we can connect with our nieces and nephews and our children and those we teach, because we can underta- understand the power of, of play. Um, and there's a great book about called The Social Animal, which I, has a wonderful part in it where a father is learning how to, you know, he's quite busy, quite detached from his son who, who's playing with a friend of his, and he thinks I'm going to make an effort to go in and play with him. Uh, and he walks in and, and his son is playing with. Um, these sort of toys, which and, and with great imagination, and he said, "I felt like I walked into an NBA game as a, as a, an amateur basketball player." You know, my skills at play were so far removed from from the children's play; they are experts, and I had lost that ability to know what it's like to play. And um, you know, it taught taught him a lesson, taught him a lesson of of, of the importance of never losing that ability to be spontaneous. Um, to, to relax, to, you know, I talk about taking your armour off because I think we're very guarded as adults. We have an armour, protective armour that I'm an adult, for those, therefore these have to be my, my behaviours, which I understand absolutely. But also we need to tailor off sometimes because we need to have the, um, the, the experiences that come with play. Yeah, Jim, and I think I think you're true there. But is the older we get, does it like each year we forget a little bit more about what it's like to play? Is it is it that we don't want to be vulnerable or we don't want to look silly or what is it? Because I know a lot of the time, and this is particularly, I think you should start any meeting or uh, any sort of session um, with some form of play to break the ice to get that energy up. But the older we get, people are more, they just sort of sit back and they're like, I don't want to do it. They sort of freeze. Do you find the older people get that sort of happening? Yeah, I, I think that happens lots in domains. You know, classically, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, 53 now. I'm looking back at people I teach 18, 19, and I'm, and I'm becoming moved, removed further and further away from what it's like to be a teenager. You know, we, so... Um, we move. We actually move away. We get older, away, and we move away from things. We become distant from. We move into different areas. And I think when it comes to to getting older, you know, that we lose that we lose a lot of those things that are nourishing. Um, and you know, when I do presentations, I say we're going to do this activity. And um, when we do it, I said, would it have taken alcohol 
to have enabled you to access that playfulness, that relaxation. Uh, and I'm not saying alcohol is the only vehicle, but sometimes when we go out for a drink at night and we, have a, we get a karaoke, whatever we do, you know, alcohol it kind of allows us to relax. But actually, as you said, why not start a meeting with something that really throws the dynamic out? But equally what you said, which is very true, is people feel vulnerable. How will I look in front of other people? Um, and actually on Monday, when we played this uh, thumbs game and the drawing game, which is mentioned in the chat about drawing yep. pictures on your head, you know, there was no hierarchy. There was no fear in the room. Everybody was kind of curious and doing it. And then it, it became quite infectious. Yeah, and, and I think it it does come down to, I think, obviously you leading the session that you allow people to feel comfortable in there. And I know we talk a lot in the book about, and I really love this analogy that um, you change the temperature. So, um, and I think a lot of the times you walk into a room, people are judging everybody, but by allowing to play, do you want to explain what that sort of change in temperature means? Yeah, so uh, it's a first, um, it's a session I did in, in Belfast with a group of coaches and it was nine o'clock in the morning and the session was about play. And what the reason I was invited to present was because I want coaches of children to be as good at playing as children. How can you be a good children's coach if you can't play yourself? You, you know, you really need to enter their world. And so I spoke about it, that we we're going to play. And there was a very much a kind of, I called it the, the temperature where it's blue, was frosty and cold and cautious and, you know, what's going to happen. Um and really sort of teasing out of people through a series of activities. We started to play a few things. An hour and a half later, there was a group of adults running around the room pretending to be butterflies. <laughs> um, you know, and they'd gone from blue caution to red on fire. Um, and I teased it out of them, and they were leading those games. They'd felt, which we, we talk about in our work here, is they had, they'd been given permission to play. You know, it was okay. They felt they weren't vulnerable. Yeah, and I, th I think the big thing is there that um, it's all about the intention and you as the instructor, coach, teacher, whatever you are. So obviously it sounds, well, I know that's why we're connecting because I think we both feel very comfortable doing it and putting ourselves out there. But what are some tips? Because I know I will run a workshop, uh, Rich, and that people go, oh, that's great for you, Dale. You're very energetic. You're very bubbly. You can you can play those games. You can be vulnerable. You can be silly, but that's not my style. What, what do you recommend for those people that, um, you know, maybe – that play isn't something that comes naturally in them, but they see the benefits and they want to implement, but they just don't know how to. Yeah, I think that's you know, that's a really valid question because it, it you know maybe it comes back to you and I because we're great advocates of play. We've done you know we haven't suddenly decided to work tomorrow we're going to start playing, and if we did, then you have to remember that there's almost like this continuum. I'm right at the beginning here. I'm one end of it where I'm maybe more traditional. I'd come in and teach or work with people. And I would do a very formal start. How can I reach the other end of the continuum where I start with a game? I start with a game of double or start with a game of blind numbers, um, which are some, again, these are some of the games I use. Well, it's actually not going to the far continuum and thinking you're going to go and do those things because they're, they're built on lots of experiences, lots of moments which have maybe not been successful, um, but confidence breeds confidence. So, what could, one thing could you change? You know, I, I think it's worth reading. I think it's worth talking to people, uh, trying things out. And you know, if you've got children, try things out. And children, look at what your children do. Uh, it's very much the simplicity of the interaction that has a, a really powerful difference. So I'm not asking you to create 
really dynamic, um, com- complex play um, uh, interventions. It, it's very often something simple. And one of the games we use is, is a card which has lots of pictures on it. Um, and we just say, ask a question uh, based upon the image that you see to the person who you're, who you're with. And the picture is it, it stimulates a question that you decide upon. And that's the first part of, a, you know, a, pl- a playful conversation. So we've had, we have a, a dinosaur. What thing would you change from the past? Which is the, uh, the, the, the longest, the, the memory, the, your oldest memory. So people interpret that image in their way, ask a question of somebody next to them. The game then kind of um, feeds itself. Yeah. And so I think it, you know, uh, you, you can see it happen in front of you. Yeah, and I, I think exactly what you just mentioned there, that um, it's like everything in life. People got different viewpoints on everything. And when it comes down to play, people see differently. People play differently. Um, and I think the best thing as an instructor, a coach, teacher, even a parent, is not structuring that play and allowing it as like a blank canvas. So like you just said there, that you've just got a picture and then everybody looks at it differently and they've got their own view on that. And by allowing them to use their creativity, um, I know myself that some of the best games I've got have been from other people creating them for me. Do you sort of see that a little bit, that you give them a blank canvas, you allow them to play, you give them the confidence, and then it just flourishes? Yeah, and that's 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 the important part. You know, the important part, we don't interfere. So there's a, you know, I think as a, that if I'm standing in front of 20 children, there's 20 brains compared to my brain. There's 20 takes on the one game I create. And if I suffocate them and don't allow them to have their own contribution, I miss out on a lot. You know, I've learned a great deal um, from saying, this is my idea, what would you do? Um, you know, even from a session I did uh, last week where I gave these clickers, I don't know if you see the clickers that you use, uh, you know, sometimes used for counting number of people in nightclubs. Yeah, yeah, nightclubs. Yeah, don't go over capacity. And, <laughs> uh, and um, you know, I sort of, so I showed this, uh, I got these these children to play this game. I got the parents to have a clicker each. And I said, right, I want you to click every time you see something. I'm not going to tell you what it is you observe. You come back and tell me. And basically it was the throw and catch a ball in this tennis tube. And when I asked the parents what they'd noticed, one of them said, I click every time I see him smile. The other one said, I click every time he looks over at me. And I said, what does that tell you? That tells maybe some for reassurance or just to let you know how they're succeeding. Now, the adults had contributed an idea I'd never thought of. And with with play, it's not about we're going to play my game. It's, It's going to say this is an idea what would you do with it? Um, and I, I've learned a great deal from an intervention I did in a, a primary school in the summer where I was trying to teach fundamental movement skills, physical literacy. So we chose a children's book and then we narrated the story through movement. So it, it was a pirate story and there was 30 uh, children, six, six, seven years old. And I said, we're going to go through the characters of the story and we're going to work out how they move. So pirate, you know, the pirate had great footwork because they needed to, to 
fight off the opposition, fight off the other people with the sword. And so we, we did footwork exercise on, on a ship. And when it when it hit a wave, we moved from one side of the room to the other as though the boat had been thrown to the other side. And the pirate captain, well, he had a parrot. And I said, what do parrots do? And they said, copy. I said, brilliant. And they all said, brilliant. So they then repeated everything I did. You know, so if I, you know, if I touched my ear or said something, they copied me and it became this great game. And then there was an octopus. And I said, well, there's only how many tentacles does an octopus have? And they said, as it has eight. And I said, well, okay, well, we only have two arms and two legs. So we'll just have to be a four tentacled octopus. And this lad, Harry, ran behind me, started doing star jumps. And he said, <laughs> no, if we, go, if, if we go in pairs, when you look from the front, it looks like we've got eight. <laughs> now, wow. I, I was going to go with that. Yeah, let's go with it. Let's, let's allow... There's, there's enough stru- structural formality in the latter years, I think, of teaching and in our lives to, not, to, to allow ourselves the time to not interfere and to say, what would you do with this game? Yeah, and I, uh, that's really setting not only kids but teenagers, everybody up to succeed in life because we're giving them the confidence to explore, use their imagination and everything like that. So obviously, Richard, mate, we're listening to these games and I'm loving them. Now, I know that um, I read four in the paper you've got and um, I, I've known a couple of them, but I just want to talk more about them because I think people are listening along going, yeah, this is all well and good, but I want a game that I actually feel comfortable leading. And so... If you don't mind, we'll just have a chat about a few of them, mate. Now, the, the drawing on your head, I, I've used this one before and I really like it. Do you want to explain that one? Because I think this is probably one of the easiest. If people are a bit sceptical or they're a little bit nervous about, you know, starting a meeting or something like this, I feel this is probably one of the easiest avenues to start your play sort of instruction course. Yeah, so it's, um, it, was a, it was an idea actually given to me by a lady called Kath, who was one of the admin staff, and she worked in, she was a creative, creative writing. And, um, when she moved into the apartment, she wanted just to kind of feel a bit more comfortable with the people that she was now working with. So I walked into her office, where there was a, I noticed there was, a, there was a, a, like a, a, an art gallery wall of fame. I was thinking, you know, I said to her, what was that? And so, well, um, I wanted to try and... Uh, introduce myself to people in a kind of relaxed way. I want you to draw a donkey. I said, yeah, fine, no problem. She said, there's one difference. You've got to draw it on this A4 piece of paper on your head. So if you ever tried to draw a picture, anything on your head, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it could be anything. It's, it, you know, you've got to be really, uh, take your time. And even then, you, no one can very often guess what you've, you, you've, uh, you've drawn. So I thought a brilliant idea. What it does is like a room of adults so, right, and I want you to use your imagination, and because that's always a challenge. What does my what does imagination look like? You know, so I said, think of anything, and I want you to draw it. And they sort of, so I'm not very good at drawing. You know, they come back with a lot of apologies. This isn't going to be very good. I was rubbish at art, or, or you know, do we, have, you know? And there's a lot of caution. And I said it's okay, because I want you to draw the picture on your head. <laughs> um, and. I've never had a session yet when people haven't done it. The great thing is, it's a great leveller because no one's good at drawing a picture on the head. <laughs> so you, haven't got hi- you, haven't, you haven't got a hierarchy in the room of really good artists and not good artists. They're all pretty ropey, to be honest. <laughs> but the, you know, the challenge is to go then go to say to people, right, don't tell people what you've drawn, see if they can guess. And immediately the room is you know, engaging, it's con- the conversation, there's a lot of laughter, 
Um, and whatever you do next in that group is easy because yeah. you kind of you've captured them. You've got them in your hand. It's like a trailer to a James Bond film. Those two minutes of excitement and uh, energy and real sort of colour that draws you in. And you know, I've done it with professional um, coaches. I've done it with teachers. I've done it with children. Um, I don't tempt fate by saying it hasn't failed yet, but it hasn't failed yet. Yeah, I, I, well, it, it definitely hasn't because it, it's fantastic breaking down boundaries. And if somebody was in your session and said, oh, geez, I've, I've done a lot of practicing and drawing on my head, I'm, I'm in for a treat here, there's not one person that's ever going to do that. And if they are, they're probably a bit of a strange ball anyway. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, let's be honest, yeah. you'd say, well, all right, you must uh, want to be really good at this. And um, there's another talking point anyway. But um, I love that. So I think that's a great starting point. If somebody's listening and um, you've got a meeting or you've got something that you normally just start straight into content or I know I call it connection before content because I think too often as teachers coaches and in a meeting we just expect people to listen and be engaged with whatever we're going to tell them whereas if we can build that relationship the trust break down those boundaries you're they're going to listen so much more they're going to take it in and they're going to want to be there aren't they yeah I, I really like that I like that connection before content that that's so important you know if you if you, go, if, you if you want to put a message across that's great, but you're making an assumption that uh, that's the only dynamic between you and the person in front of you. But how are you going to um, make you become more? How can you connect with them so you fully understand who it is you're teaching and the, and the relevance of the contact with that person? Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely right. You know, I'm going I'm to put that little gem down in my work. Go for it. Um, Go for and it. And use it, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. Well, I think I think too often that, um, you know, first impressions, we always make them. And I know when I walk into a group or I'm presenting, I'm sure you do as well, like you, you try not to, but you do make an impression and you think about, you already think you know the people. And I try and stop doing that now. And, and because I use play, and I know you do as well, that you break down boundaries and everybody can be whoever you want to be if you set it up the right way. So I think that's a great bit of advice for anybody and give that a go. Now, we've got three others, mate, that um, I really enjoyed as well. Now, let's if you don't mind, we'll have a little chat about them because I'm, I'm sure people yeah, are like, wow, wow, that drawing on your head is unbelievable. So musical chairs without music or without chairs. Okay, so um, I, I wanted to uh, encourage my students to um, write from year one to the final year in year three to use the coaching sessions, the laboratory, to try ideas, things that we could use. So we came to this game, which was a, a basically to build, ha, learning how to build a scrum in rugby or how to, um, um, how to get a group connected. Um, so musical chairs, traditional game, um, as fun as it is, ultimately it's, it's an exclusive, you know. Yeah. It, it comes down to starting with 20 and ending up with two. Um, I'm not saying abandon it as a party game, by the way. I'm not going to sort of pour water on that. So we wanted to do a game that um, was um, an adaptation of it. So one of the challenges that coaches get in rugby union um, and the rugby league is to how to build a scrum. So we, one of the postural, um, one of the important postural um, positions is is the ability to have a good base called a tower of power. So I asked the students to run around, said run around, and uh, as though playing musical chairs, and when I shout stop, I want you to imagine you're sitting down on the chair. So they ran around, stopped, sat on an imaginary chair, and immediately there was a, there's a real 
Um, good observation that I, I could see how their position was, how that scrummaging position was, how that position in a squat in the gym would be, how that landing position when you jump would be. And I said, great, now what I want to do is I want to turn these single chairs into two-man sofas. So he ran around, said stop. I grabbed somebody else and make a two-man sofa. So they bound on and sort of wrapped their arms around the waist, pulled themselves in together, and there was a two-man sofa. And I went around and I pretended to be a, an, um, walking around a furniture store looking for the, the right <laughs> sofa to sit on. So I kind of just pushed them. And if it fell over, they wouldn't buy that one. If it had wobbly legs, wouldn't buy that one. <laughs> Um, and then obviously, so I can move around again. Let's get a three-man sofa, um, and then there's your front row in rugby. But obviously, there you need to. What I use is rather than becoming technical, and you need to do this, this, and this. It, I would say I'm walking around a furniture store. I've got a limited amount of money. I'm going to buy the best sofa in here. And I go around and I'd look at, and I'd say, so you want people just being close together? I say I'm not going to buy that one because my money would fall down the middle of this chair or my car keys <laughs> I wouldn't use that one uh, you know and so you just you just kind of use those analogies you use your imagination create a narrative I mean part of play is, is a narrative it has a story behind it like the Bangkok traffic jam you start with the story and then people take it different directions um, and so that was the the musical shares I mean the, the, the great challenge at the end of it and the photograph that you'll see in the book and I'm, I, you know is one thing which is quite hilarious is trying to to have all of the chairs removed and then we had basically had a circle at the end where I was sat on somebody somebody who sat on me and it was this huge circle of interdependency um it's a, it's a circle where everybody's sitting down on somebody else's knees but also having somebody sitting on their knees um how do you feel great it was good fun it was engaging it was a lot of creativity it was helping to remove that feeling of vulnerability because the feedback coming from the participants, the cues coming back all the time are, we're enjoying this, this is good fun, There's, everybody's included. Yeah, and I think the best thing you did mention there is that um, a, a good play game or a, a lesson starter, or an icebreaker, or a connection starter, whatever you want, it's there's no winners or losers and you the, nobody goes out, you're always playing. And I think the best thing about our musical chairs game is nobody would have been looking at anybody else because they were concentrating so hard on creating their own chair or then when they went into pairs or threes or fours and then all together. Um, and I think that's a really good takeaway that it's not about uh, being the best because because without everyone else's help, and that's why I love that musical chairs, without music, without chairs, if one person in your team is being a lone ranger, the whole place is going to fall down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. And it's, um, you know, it's it's really important. It becomes really infectious. You know, it's it's like the, the, the TED Talk, the leadership um uh, first follower, I don't know if you've seen the first follower TED Talk with the crazy dancing guy on the hill. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. At the yeah, music yeah, festival. Yeah, yep. Yeah, the music festival. So everything's just crazy. Then one person goes to him and, and then it becomes less and less crazy. And then it becomes, you know, it becomes the norm, if you like. And and, and, and that's what you get with the musical chairs game or, or playful moments is you actually just set a tempo. People are drawn to it because it's appealing. Um, and then you kind of, it just cascades. And, and what ends up happening is the people that aren't being part of a team or aren't playing, they become the outliers instead of that one random that was dancing on the hill by himself. I absolutely love that. If you, I'm sure people would have seen that. If you haven't, go onto YouTube but just type in one dancing guy or something like that and it's pretty amazing. It's about a two-minute clip and um, by the end it's there's a whole paddock of people dancing. It's pretty cool. So 
Going on with that, and, and another game, and probably the last one we'll mention before we sort of get into a little bit more about play, but Balloon Waterfalls. Now, this is, um, I think this is very similar to the drawing on your head because it doesn't really take much to play. There's no spotlight on anybody, but everybody needs to be playing as a team. Yeah, so uh, Balloon Waterfalls, very interesting, you know, if, uh, very good little uh, activity to do. Um, is to actually give a group of adults a balloon um, before you even tell them what you're going to do and just see what happens. Uh, and uh, what you'll notice is that in the room, some people start to blow it up and let the air out. Some people start to play with it. And then when you turn around and, and look at them, they immediately put their hands behind their back because they've done something wrong. <laughs> uh, and I say it's fine. You're just reconnecting with with the party thing of being the you know a, a child again. I say, go for it. If you want to blow it up, let air out, and it makes that funny noise when a deflating balloon, you know, you go for it. But it's people being given a balloon and wanting to wanting to play. And if I say don't do anything yet, then I'm suffocating that that spontaneous play. So give them a balloon, just so we'll see what they do with it, and then give them. The, the, this was the challenge. Then I said, blow the blow the balloon up and uh, tie it up, and all you want to do is just keep it up in the air. Um, and so that's easy. Keep it up in the air. And I said, right, I'm going to give you a second balloon now. Blow the second balloon up. But you've got to keep the first one up in the air at the same time. So this first balloon that you blew up uh, mustn't hit the floor. You've got to blow the second one up and tie it, tie it up at, at the same time. So actually you've got this kind of raindrop waterfall effect. And what you end up ha happening is a lovely cooperation between people where people say, I'll keep your balloon up whilst you're blowing that one up. Yeah. And when you get these kind of movements, movements, patterns, movement skills, uh, connection with people because they need to rely upon one another to look after their balloons, so balloon babysitting, we, we call it. <laughs> and then you've got 20 people, you've got 40 balloons. So then I say, okay, why don't you just sit, sit, sit down, push your balloons, push your two balloons in the air. Uh, so now you've got this balloon waterfall because they'll come up and they'll come down. None of those balloons must touch the floor. So there's... You know, incredible effort taken by these people to keep all these balloons up and they reach back and they stretch and they dive forwards um, and, you, and and that's play and they'll go at their own games and it's a challenge um, again the interdependency so there's no hierarchy we all need each other to keep these up um, and uh, you know simple game yeah um, again learned from a six year old yeah my, I... my daughter you know doesn't want to go to bed at night so right, I... I absolutely love that, Richard. Like it, it's, and and not only that, the talking points and the coaching cues that you've got after that, that you've just mentioned there. Um, there's you know a month worth of coaching, a month worth of observing in one simple game using balloons. I absolutely love that. So, mate, I, I'm aware of the time, and I know you've got a physio appointment soon. So, no, um, that's good. That's good. <laughs> well, if we could just break it down and get your maybe uh, three or four, you know, top benefits of play so your top health benefits of play if you had to say maybe three or four just for people listening how would you you know dot point those down what would they be well first thing i, I, I would say you know find time find time for play but make play your play so my games are not your games but find something that is um a reconnection, you know, I think that's really important. The emotional experience you have as a child, those memorable childlike experiences are as important 
as an adult as they were as, as a child. Um, I would also say, you know, show courage. My dad used to say to me, you know, show courage. And, and there's two things to talk about. Vulnerability, I don't want to look silly, and I understand that, but I think they show courage. And they show courage is, well, just try something. Start with something simple. Um, I talk about play advocates, which means, you know, can you find somebody who you will also be like that, a like-minded person uh, to make you feel more comfortable? Um, do unstructured things. Just find time for doing something completely unstructured. I mean, Lego, which is, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'd like to be a, promote a, a company commercially on, on your podcast, but I think <laughs> yeah, we all know about Lego. <laughs> I don't think they're big you enough know, to uh, worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they might send me a free pot. After, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing, something like Lego, simple as simple as that. You know, I remember taking my daughter to nursery one day and she said, Dad, I don't want to go to nursery today. And I said, OK, we won't go. And we just sat in the coffee shop, went next door when the shop opened and bought a Lego fire engine. And we spent an hour and a half making it. And she was four and I was, 50, I was 49. And I don't think either of us had any less enjoyment in that. It was, we were both, you know, absolutely immersed in that moment. So I think it's... Um, Finding things that you know will make you feel free. They don't have to have a consequence. They don't have to be an outcome. You don't have to finish anything. You have to make anything. You don't have to get a result. Um, and, and those things really will become, they start to, in terms of health, I think you'll feel, you'll notice, people will notice you. They will notice your facial expressions. They'll notice that word sparkle. There's a sparkle in you. There's a change in your behavior. Um, so I think those some of the those some of the, the key things to do. I know it's a it's a behavioural shift and behavioural change is, is is difficult. You know, we I want to get fitter. I want to be, eat eat better. I want to spend less time at work. I want to play more. Those behaviour change um, challenges are the same, but it's actually making a start. Yeah, I, and I think that's the biggest thing there, that it's making a start. You don't have to go out today and, you know, incorporate all these games into everything, but just do something, you know, do something that you haven't done before. And my biggest bit of advice for anyone is I love those bits is if you, when you're playing, if you were thinking about something else that's not working, because when you were truly playing, you were present, you were in the moment and you're not worried about yeah. one thing at all. Yeah, that's really, that is, uh, again, you know, lo lovely talking to you now because we know we kind of uh in unison how we think and i think that's that's really important you don't look you don't look outside you don't look at what other people are thinking of you you're just doing it yeah um and that's really important yeah, yeah absolutely you, you're not you're not worried about anything you're not worried about dinner work emails social media likes anything like that because you're in the moment now richard before i let you go mate i've got a couple of questions that i always like to ask my guests before they go and um obviously 53 now mate you're still dominating you're playing you're writing to work every day with balaclavas on because a little bit cold but if you could go back to 18 year old richard and you could give yourself one bit of advice that you've learnt over the last few years or the last part of your life or anything like that one bit of advice that you would that you know now that you would love to have known as 18 year old well that's a that's a, that's a very good question and uh, I would say to myself that I would 
and there's a phrase, isn't it? You know, growing up is growing old is inevitable. Growing up is optional. Um, and I and I think that I wish I had not abandoned the, the the playful moments as early as I did. You know, when I went into work, you know, I thought responsibility work and all those things, which which goes with it. I wish I'd allowed it to. Wish I had extended my playful times a lot more. And certainly in my early years of coaching, teaching, when I was coaching, when I, you know, I was 18, 19, you know, um, I, I believe it's very structured and because uh, that's what I thought. It's like drop, passing a driving test. You've got to follow the rules. Um, and I wish I'd broken the rules earlier. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, for anybody listening that may be entering the profession as a young age or a coaching or teacher or anything like that, that um, just because you're a professional now, that's probably more time to make it fun and be silly and, and make a bit of a fool of yourself because that's how people can relate to you. So I think that is absolutely awesome advice there, Richard. Now, mate, where can we find out more about you? I'm sure people are listening going, wow, I actually want to know more about these games. I want to know more about the research, about the papers you do. Doing. Where where can we go to get in t- contact with you, Richard? Yes, uh, I suppose on, on on Twitter. So my Twitter address is at uh, two at two wheel prof p r o f, um, and I post a lot of videos on there of, of the playful moments I do, um, uh, links, um, articles. Um, I can send the games which I mentioned to you. I'm happy to email those uh, the description of those games if people want them. Um, I can pass them through you and you can post those. Um, my email address, which is richard.cheatham, C-H-E-E-T-H-A-M, at winchester.ac.uk. Um, you can email me and I'll send you those those ideas. I'm happy to f- send you any of the games that I've played, any of the articles that I've written. Um, the crazy guy dancing on the hill, those TED, talk, uh, TED Talks, you know, those kind of things. Um Happy to share those those with you. I mean, we obviously both re- remember the the crazy dancing yeah, guy. And if you if you're not seen it before, I think that probably sums up everything we've done today. You that's know? A, that's uh, a probably a really good way of putting it, mate. That uh, I think yeah, everything you've just said relates. That could relate back to a lot of things, but um, I think it's a movement. And it's something that um, it, it needs to be spoken more about. And um, I know when Rich Shorter introduced us and, um, y- you know, I wanted to talk to you and I wanted to share our conversation today. And um, I know myself personally that the games that you have just mentioned there and the way you run them is different than what I would. But at the end of the day, it's the same approach. We are allowing people to feel comfortable, break down barriers, be present and use that creativity. So, Richard, I'd just like to personally thank you for your time this morning. I know you got up early to come in and um i i can guarantee you that people will email you because they want more of this and um they can tell by the passion in your voice and everything you're doing mate so thank you personally for you know being on the podcast and um being so generous with everything you've done oh you're welcome i i I mean it's been great great that richard's put us in touch um i would like to share one final story about vulnerability which is a word you mentioned which is really important yeah so uh the research i did um on play, which is the reconnection with play. Uh, I learned to play again, which is the article. Um, I presented at a conference last year, um, and the patron of UK Coaching, which is the conference I was presenting at, is Princess Anne, so the, the Queen's daughter, Princess, Prince Charles' sister. And um, I had an email two weeks before the conference uh, saying a member of the royal family is coming into your presentation. Wow. Um, so we won't tell you who it is, but the, we they've identified your workshop as the one they want to attend. 
Um, so I got really kind of excited for it. Brilliant. You know, didn't know who it was going to be. Um, and, uh, they said, what are you going to be doing? I said, we're going to be playing lots of games. Um, I said, because they said when they walk in, they're going to walk in at 13:59 and leave at 14:08. So they only going to be there for nine minutes. Fine. <laughs> uh, very precise. Um, but they didn't want to cause any upset to walk in, not draw away from your presentation. Um, so I said, yeah. No problem. And then 15 minutes before the talk, uh, they said to me uh, they want to come in the whole time. So anyway, so Princess Anne walks in at quarter to two, stayed until half past two. What a lovely lady, really, you know, engaged. Uh, one of her um, um, staff said to me, what are you going to be doing? And I said, we're going to play the thumbs game. And they said to me, OK, well, she probably wouldn't want to do that. Anyway, I have a photograph of Princess Anne playing the thumbs game with a room full of coaches. <laughs> there was an inner child fighting to get out there, I could tell you. Oh, I could imagine. And, and, it, and, it, and it broke free. And that, for me, is, you know, fearless, uh, fear, fearlessness, playfulness, an example that we all have that inner child that just is desperate for some oxygen. Yeah, and if so, if you can get it from somebody in the royal family in a room full of strangers, um, I think that's a really fitting way to finish, Richard, because that just shows that yeah. everybody wants to play. You've just got to allow to. Yeah, and I'll, I'll send you the photograph just to show. Uh, it's always amazing when you, when you play the thumbs game and, you, and then you say it's by royal approval and people say, what do you mean? And I show them a picture and they said, wow. And I said, yeah, listen, you know, it does not play. It, it crosses boundaries. It's not like... Certain people will, certain people won't. We all want to. We want permission to play and we want time to play. Oh, mate, I love that. I'd love to see it. I'll, I'll put it on the show notes. Um, and maybe if you maybe if you send me the games as well, mate, I'll uh, I'll put sure. them all in the show notes. So, guys, if you go to energetic.education forward slash podcast, this is episode number 127. Um, it's called The Power of Play, and they will all be in there. So the games we've mentioned today, links to, obviously, contact Richard. And, and if you are listening to this, please tweet him or email him and just say thank you because oh, this is one of the most amazing chats. And if you adapt just one thing you said today and implement it in whatever you're doing, I guarantee you you'll have more fun and the people that you're coaching, teaching, working with will as well. So, Rich, thanks so much for today, buddy. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks. Great to chat to you and enjoy the rest of your day and uh, just keep sending that sunshine over here. It's uh, <laughs> it, it was a cold morning. <laughs> as long as there's a little glimpse of it today, mate, no worries. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, really nice to talk to you. Thanks again. <laughs>